You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. One of the first signs of new Christians being rightly fed is they grow. They spiritually grow. He said that you may grow thereby. How do we grow? By hearing the Word of God and applying it to life. This person has tasted that the Lord is gracious. They've experienced the goodness of God and they're growing in their new life, growing. The spiritual growth never stops. We are to grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. When you actively engage in preaching God's good news, do you ever experience His unwavering strength? In today's message, Pastor Jeff wants to show you the inherent power found in proclaiming God's good news to the world. The act of sharing His message not only becomes a source of strength, but an avenue into God's presence. Regardless of the storms that will come, preaching God's Word will always stand as a wellspring of strength. Uplift your faith by being a catalyst for God's love. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 as he begins his message, Your Separation. We're in second chapter of 1 Peter, and uh, we're going to look at some really, really powerful truths about how we're to live, what God the Holy Ghost is doing in our lives, and it's going to feed you. It fed me getting ready for it, and I'm going to love teaching it, and oh, you're going to love hearing it. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you that we are approaching now the sacred Word of God. No other book like it in the whole world. This is your Word. And Lord, you gave it to us, preserved it for us, protected it from enemies, and you have kept it for us today. Now we open up this letter from your Apostle Peter, and we pray that, Lord, it'll feed us and strengthen us and open our eyes and help us to walk in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Tell your neighbor, letters that burn, get ready. Amen. Now, last time we finished chapter one and talking about the power and the beauty of God's word. If you're here very long, you know I love God's word. God made me, caused me to love God's word. I didn't love it before I was saved, that's for sure, but I love it now. How about you? Amen. Amen. Now, remember, Peter is writing to a church world uh, where uh, life has become dangerous for all believers even though it is definitely getting worse in the West, in America. Every day, Christians in the first century, in Peter's time, woke up wondering, will I go to sleep tonight? Will I be in prison today? Will I be separated from my family today? Uh, am I going to be arrested and whipped, uh, tortured, because I named the name of Christ? I wonder how many people would stay in church if our culture went that direction this week. Amen? Amen? I like to think I would, but you know what? By the grace of God, I go. Amen. It takes great courage. Now, I've told you that the wicked Roman uh, Emperor Nero had unleashed intense persecution. He was a, he was a devil, walking, talking devil, Nero. Uh, he's the one that orchestrated the martyrdom, the murder of Peter and Paul. I would not want that on my resume when I face God, that I'm the one that killed the two greatest men on the planet. But he did. In Peter's second letter, he's gonna tell his readers, 
guess what? Shortly, I must die and leave this body. So he's writing. He knew his home going was near. And he's writing. I'm letting you know, and I want to remind you of some things, because soon they're going to kill me. But he wrote it with a steady hand, trusting Christ. And tradition tells us they hung him upside down on a cross because he refused to be hung right side up because he wasn't worthy to die like his Lord. So that's the way Peter left the planet. Peter's first letter is written against the backdrop of a rapidly changing world. Everything around him is changing, particularly in the religious world, because um, Christianity, or rather Judaism, uh, Old Testament Judaism, the uh, Moses way of doing things, being under the Mosaic law, is gone. And before long, the temple's gonna be destroyed. Jerusalem is gonna be uh, attacked by the Romans. Over a million Jews are gonna be killed. That's only a few years away when Peter writes this. It's to the persecuted and troubled believers, these two letters. And he writes next in chapter two about their needful separation. Now, when I say separation, what I'm talking about is sanctification. Can we say sanctification? sanctification. Justification. justification. What's justification? Just as if you never did it. Sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit to set us apart from the world, to remove us from the stain and the corruption of the world. And it's a lifelong process. It begins as soon as you are saved, and it's called sanctification. But it's setting apart, just being set apart from the sin and the corruption of this evil world. Anybody arguing tonight that this world isn't sinful? Or corrupt? Or these days, crazy, right? Now, chapter two begins with the exhortation to lay aside the troublesome old nature and his deeds. Paul loved that phrase, lay aside. Um, writer of Hebrews used it. Let us lay aside uh, the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us lay it aside. It's the idea of taking off a garment and just laying it down. Let us lay it aside and walk away and leave it there. So look at verse one, chapter two, therefore, laying aside. Now he's gonna name some things. Here we go. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking or bad talk. Think about Lazarus when he came out of that tomb. He came out of the tomb resurrected from the dead, but he was still wrapped in grave clothes. And what was the instruction Jesus gave as soon as he emerged from that tomb after being dead four days? Jesus said, loose him and let him go. So the, and they undid the grave clothes so that he was free to move around. Uh, in the same way, when we're saved, Jesus says that about us and over us, not casting demons out of us. If you're born again, there's no demons possessing you. But it's talking about laying aside some things, all right? So uh, he starts with malice. Now, you're going to notice there's four inward sins and one outward. The four inward, again, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, and envy. Malice. What's malice? Malice has to do with an evil disposition. Uh, it's, it's the bent that we all have towards sin. 
Have you ever noticed nobody had to teach you how to sin? Nobody had to teach me. Have you ever noticed when you're raising a, a child from birth on up, nobody has to teach them how to do wrong? They do it all on their own. They won't, don't want you touching their toys. They don't, they don't want you not giving them candy. Uh, they will sass you. They will yell at you. They will throw temper tantrums. They are not by nature godly. Can I have an amen here? Right? So what are we called to do as parents? Teach them to do right because they normally do wrong because they're born with a fallen nature. So malice is, is that bent towards sin that is characteristic of every fallen nature and everyone in here, including myself, were born with a fallen nature that needed to be born again. Guile is from a Greek word meaning to bait or a snare. And it's talking about being deceitful. Let us lay aside being deceitful. Let's lay aside telling lies. Let's lay aside being duplicitous. Let's lay aside, let's lay aside being dishonest. Lay it aside because that's guile. Remember when Jesus said this about Philip? He said about Philip, there's a man with no guile. What was he talking about? Philip was a straight shooter. What he what he thought, he said. What he meant, he said it. He was not duplicitous. Uh, you, what you saw is what you got. And Jesus said, there's a man with no guile. Hypocrisy is the idea of an actor putting on a, a show on a stage. All right? Jesus hated hypocrisy. Hypocrites are the only ones that ever came under his blistering verbiage. Uh, the Pharisees, for instance, they were massive hypocrites. Jesus said, do what they do, but, but don't follow them because they don't lift one finger to, to do what they're telling you to do. That was the Pharisees. And Jesus over and over again, let them have it. He was not politically correct. No, Jesus, Jesus said it. All right. So uh, Jesus hated hypocrisy. Uh, and Peter had often heard him personally denouncing the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and so on and so forth. So Peter said, lay it aside. Don't, don't be, don't be a, a fake. Don't be fake, all right? Be authentic. Be real. Be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. Nobody can be you better than you, all right? So hypocrites, envy. We all know what that is. It refers to the feeling of ill will produced in the unregenerate heart uh, upon hearing of somebody else's promotion or prosperity. <laughs> your, be your best friend uh, strikes it rich and, and makes millions of dollars. It's so hard to go, wow, way to go. And inside you're thinking, you stinking rat. Why not me? <laughs> right? Envy. Envy and jealousy are twins. Envy is bothered about somebody else's success. But jealousy wants their success for itself. All right? So we got to learn. You want to know how to get rid of jealousy? Easy. I'm going to tell you how to get rid of jealousy. To get rid of jealousy, look at the person you're jealous of and compliment them. Oh, that went over big. Amen, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> That was a major hit right there. I, I felt it connect. 
No, just say, way to go. If they go out and they get some incredible job uh, or whatever, um, marry the, the, the girl or the guy that you thought you would when you were in high school, say, way to go. All right, because you will defuse the jealousy. And you may find in a few years when you see who they ended up marrying, you may go, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Then here comes the outward sin. So here they are, malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy. Peter said, just lay them down. Lay them down, lay them aside. Be done with them. And then the outward sin, evil speaking, uh, which comes from a Greek word meaning to speak down uh, someone. You're, you're talking them down. To defame or slander them. Peter says, separate yourself from this. Don't defame or slander or, or talk someone down. Don't try to destroy them with words. Don't try to ruin their reputation. Okay, that's evil speaking. Lay it aside. Lay it aside as children of God. Lay it aside. He then describes the characteristics of our new life in Christ. And he describes it, now watch this, as separation by new birth from the old life. How are we separated from the old life? By a New Year's resolution? No by being born again, a brand new birth. We are born into another world. He says, as newborn babes, verse two and three, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have, isn't this interesting? He said, tasted that the Lord is gracious. Isn't that interesting? He uses a sense, the, the taste sense, to describe the goodness of God. He's so good you can taste it. He's so good that your spiritual palate can taste it. How many of you can say, the Lord is good. I, blessed is the Lord. Blessed is the Lord. And, and I, I, I can taste his goodness. One of the first signs of a truly born again person, mark it down, is they have a strong desire for the nourishing word of God. Don't tell me you're saved if you have no desire for the word. The greatest need for a newborn baby is care and nourishment so that it can grow, all right? Therefore, our local churches should be nurseries. Yeah, I've often said the church is a hospital for sinners and, and, and it's a watering hole for saints. It's a nursery. I'm feeding you. And you wouldn't be here if you weren't hungry for it, right? But, but we're hungry for it. And every day, are we not hungry for it? Especially the more you eat that word, the more of the word you want. You ever notice that? Amen. One of the first signs of new Christians being rightly fed is they grow. They spiritually grow. He said that you may grow thereby. How do we grow? By hearing the word of God and applying it to life. This person has tasted that the Lord is gracious. They've experienced the goodness of God and they're growing in their new life, growing. The spiritual growth never stops. We are to grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. How do you do it? By that good word of God. That's why you need to be real picky about what church you go to, who you listen to online. A lot of wackos out there. There's a lot of false teachers out there. So we have separation by birth. I am born again and I get a whole new set of tastes and desires for the Lord, his word, prayer, fellowship with his people. 
okay? Next, we see separation by belief from the old life. Look at verse four. Coming to him as to a living stone. Wow. So he's got tasting the Lord and seeing that he is good, and now he's comparing him to a stone that's alive, a living stone. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God. Chosen by God and precious. Peter used an illustration calling Jesus a living stone. The Greek word for living is zoe, zoe, and it refers to life in all of its forms. Zoology, all right, zygote. There's all kinds of English words that come from this zoe in Greek. From the life of God himself down to life of the most insignificant thing, that's zoe, anything that's alive, zoe. And it's used of resurrection life and eternal life. Because until you and I came to Christ, we were not alive. Our hearts were beating. So physically, yes, but spiritually, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead. Dead. As dead as anything ever was. There was no Zoe in you. You were dead. And yet, He quickened you. You know what I pray for on, on uh, particularly Sundays? When I'm praying for Sunday, I say, Lord, by your grace, in those two services tomorrow, please raise somebody from the dead. Raise them from the dead. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? What I mean is, if they're not saved, there's no Zoe. There's no life. If they were to die without Christ, they would answer for their sins, which we're going to see in a moment. And that would be it, judgment. So I pray, Lord, as you raise Lazarus physically, can you raise somebody from the dead this Sunday? Raise them from the spiritual dead. Because when they come to Christ, they go from death to Zoe, life. Amen. Jesus says Peter is a living stone. Jesus is a living stone comprising both resurrection and eternal life in himself. He that has the Son has life. That's what Jesus said. If you've got the Son, you've got Zoe. Now, though a stone is not a living thing in the natural, this stone, capital S, Jesus is alive. How many of you are so thankful the living stone came and touched you and gave you Zoe? I'll give you an illustration. When David Livingstone, that was really his name, Livingstone. David Livingstone considered the greatest missionary in the history of Christendom. That's what a lot of people, aside from Paul, I, I can't say that um, unless you exclude Paul. But David Livingstone, the greatest of missionaries, died alone in Africa. He was found kneeling beside his bed. He had been praying when Jesus said, Come on. Those natives he had reached, and there were many of them. Now, don't grimace until you hear the whole thing. But they cut out his heart. And they buried it in his beloved Africa, where he was such a great missionary. Then they handed his body over to the British authorities because he came from England. It was transported back to England and laid to rest in Westminster Abbey. Now, a brass plate in the floor marks the spot, and a text tells the tale. Here's what it says. Other sheep 
have I which are not of this fold? Them also I must bring. That was his epitaph. But he also had another one. One of Britain's periodicals, secular periodicals, said it best. Across its front page, in banner headlines, it read, Granite may crumble, but this is living stone. Such was the missionary. What a name, living stone, who followed the living stone and was raised to life by the living stone and took that living stone life to all those African natives who came to Christ because of him. Now, next we see that the stone, the living stone is discarded. He says, rejected indeed by men. Rejected comes from a Greek word meaning to reject as a result of disapproval. I reject you because I disapprove of you. This is exactly what the religious leaders did with Jesus. They disapproved of him. John writes in the gospel, you know this, but it's great to read because it's true. He came to his own. That's talking about the Jew, his own, descendants of Abraham, and his own did not receive him. They disapproved of him. He was disapproved of. They disapproved of him. And he goes on to write, yet the good news is, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So watch this, everybody. They might as well have tried to get rid of the son. For Peter writes that Jesus was chosen by God and precious, chosen by God. So it matters so very much what you do with Jesus. If you disapprove of him, you're gonna die in your sins. If you approve of him and receive him, you're gonna receive Zoe, life, eternal, eternal. Peter brings the church into the picture next. Verse five, you also, everybody say, that means me. Because now from, he's going from talking about Jesus to talking about you and me. Now this is where it gets really strong. You also, turn to your neighbor and say, it's talking about you. Come on, I want you to get this. It's talking about you. Watch this now. You also as living stones. Now you went from Jesus being a living stone to you being, we could say you're a chip off the old block. Right? You as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. So we could say we're bricks, we're stones, we're, every one of us is crucial to the house, the house that is being built by God. And what for? A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now here's our why. Why are we here? He's building us up a spiritual house. Why? To offer up spiritual sacrifices. Not only is Jesus a living stone, he has made us to be living stones alongside him. We're living stones in a spiritual house that God is building. Each one of us is placed right where the master wants us. Not only are we living stones, we're also a part of a brand new priesthood called a holy priesthood. Now I want you to say with me, I'm a priest. How many of you feel like a priest? But we are a priest. Let God be true and every man a liar. In today's message from Pastor Jeff, he empowered you to overcome adversity by way of God's grace. 
Embrace this transformative reliance on His grace and experience the triumphs of God's unwavering support in your life. Step into a new reality full of strength and resilience. As you face adversity with a steadfast trust in God's grace, witness the remarkable transformation that transpires in the face of hardship. Always lean on God's grace during times of difficulty. Hi everybody, this is Pastor Jeff Wickwire from Hardwired, and I've got something really special to share with you. For a gift of $20 or more, we're gonna send you a beautiful Hardwired pen and a bright LED flashlight with an attached keychain. It's blue in color and bordered in copper, and it's very pretty. It's our gift to you for supporting Hardwired. The set also contains a built-in stylus for your touchscreen devices. So to claim your gift set, visit our website at hardwired.org and just donate $20 or more. Click the Donate Now button in the top right corner. And thanks so much for being a part of the Hardwired family. And I assure you, every dollar that comes in is gonna go straight to reaching the world with the Word of God. Have a blessed week. In his next message, Pastor Jeff wants you to never forget about the unwavering strength that's found in never letting your faith be shaken. Baptize yourself in the unparalleled power that emerges when your faith becomes an unshakable foundation through God's grace. Experience the steadfastness that comes from trusting in God's unwavering love. As you make your way through life, use God's word to ensure that nothing shakes the core of your beliefs. That's all we have for today's edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you can download it from our website, hardwired.org. Be sure to tune in again as Pastor Jeff continues teaching through the book of 1 Peter next time on Hardwired.